This is the BA Coach Podcast, episode number 37. Welcome to the BA Coach Podcast, online at thebacoach.com. Helping business analysts take their craft to the next level. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new BA or you've been practicing for many years. There is always something we can all do. to take our ba skills and techniques up a notch and now here is your host author blogger musician and ba evangelist yakub mohammed also known as yamo hello there and welcome to the ba coach podcast i'm your host yamo aka at the ba coach on twitter I hope you and your family are doing wonderful and you're having a great start to the fall season. Talking of fall, this is also the time when the Building Business Capability Conference happens and you know all the wonderful uh festivities of Thanksgiving, Halloween and so forth. So this is your time to learn or accelerate your learning if you haven't so far in the year. As you may be aware that we have partnered with Rising Media to provide you some valuable and educational episodes featuring the keynote speakers of the Building Business Capability Conference aka the BBC and uh, like I indicated in the last episode if you are serious about some rapid professional development I would highly recommend that you attend this conference happening this year between November 11th and 15th 2013 in Vegas And as a podcast listener, you get 15% discount to attend the conference with the discount code of the BA coach. You can find more details about the discount and other information over at the BA coach.com forward slash BBC. So in our community cast today, we preview one of the BBC 2013 keynotes by uh, Marty Clark on leadership landmines. making good decisions under pressure it's a very energetic and insightful discussion on topics such as how marty drew a parallel between landmines and hidden behaviors marty's keynote preview and overview of a few leadership landmines such as examples of managing to the exception the blame addiction landmine ways to force yourself into present tense thinking and so forth uh the pop psychology reason for how blame addiction works that's an interesting one the effect of rewinding your voicemail and what it means you got to hear that for sure two big tips to improve your communication skills so you know i did extract something practical usable uh from him too so this is something definitely that you can use tomorrow the myths of super doer right so what does a super doer mean and uh he gives a little preview from his keynote about it and uh one of the quotes that you know i i remember from interviewing him was leadership isn't being great it is getting greatness out of a group so you know more on that and much more with marty hi marty how are you i'm great brother it's good to hear your voice It's great to have you on the on the BA Coach podcast Marty. Uh welcome. Thank you. And uh before we get started uh with all the dynamic energy that's going to ooze 
out in a few seconds. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Uh, bet. Uh, about all the uh, you know wonderful insights that we're going to get today, I was you know I was wondering if you can introduce yourself, maybe give a little bit of background about you and how you came to what you came to uh, with with all the landmine series of uh, communication, leadership, and sales. Oh, excellent! Uh, thanks. Well, uh, I'm Marty Clark, and I was in corporate you know, working for very large companies, moving my way up the ladder. And uh, I was given a chance to leave corporate and start to write books. And I jumped on that because I, I, that was my dream, was to be an author. And what I really latched onto, Yama, was, you know, in corporate, you know, looking back, I really wish I would have been told, <laughs> you know, I really wish somebody would have whispered in my ear, a few really, really good tips, things to avoid uh, that would have helped me navigate, shall we say, through difficult issues, through difficult scenarios, and, and, and the things that people run into every day at work. And so I wrote my first book, Communication Landmines, and the landmine concept is simply a landmine in and of itself is hidden. You, you, you hi it's hidden. And then you, you trigger it in some form or fashion, and it hurts you. It, it, it damages you. Now, uh, in, in, in corporate life, in business, in the everyday interaction, um, there are things that people do both when they're communicating and when they're leading. And I, I, I wish to make a very, very important distinction. It, it, it doesn't matter whether you're leading people or you're leading initiatives. It does not matter. Uh, and what I wrote about were these landmines, these hidden behaviors, these hidden things that people do without really realizing how much it's going to, A, hurt their own credibility, you know, B, um, keep them from being productive, and C, it, cause, you know, it causes them a lot of heartache. So that's how I approached uh, my writing career, and um, that led to um, a speaking career that I enjoy today. I, I speak all over the world, um, and I've done extensive uh, speaking in terms of business analysts and project managers and the like, uh, because if anybody is in the heat of the moment, is, is, you know, is under pressure, it is that group of people. So the, the, the keynotes and the trainings have gone extremely well because they resonate with that audience. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, and and we'll we'll get to some uh, you know meat in a bit. So uh, just you know going back to the you know landmines, uh, I was just wondering what was your inspiration and how did you actually harvest and capture these landmines? Were your were these your personal experience or were these observations? Was it a lot of reading combined with uh, with uh, experience? What was it? Much as I would love to say it was all done with very high-level research, um, it was 80% personal experience and 20% observation. Um, you asked how I harvested these things. That's a really good question because um, I, Yamo, I had on my desk, and I can see this thing as plain as day. I really wish I had kept it, but it was a, a piece of legal paper, you know, the yellow legal kind, you know, the longer piece of paper. And I literally out of frustrations, taped a piece of paper to my desk hmm. 
And any time anybody did anything, even if it was even if it was me mm. uh, or my staff or my boss or whatever, did anything to hurt their credibility or to or to or to just you just sh- you know there's times you just shake your head, mm. and I would write these things down. You know, to, to people do the most non-productive things, and I don't think anybody drives to work saying, you know what. I'm going to mess some stuff up today. Yes, I am. I don't think, I don't think maybe, maybe some do, yeah. but I haven't met one yet. Um, so, so, you know, I, I, I just wrote this thing down one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Over years, that thing was taped there. And when they moved my office, I would, you know, move it with me and it got coffee stains on it and stuff. Mm. So I, I really wish I, I still had it, but I don't. And um, that's how I did it. I mm. just wrote them down as I saw them. And then when I had the opportunity to write my first book, I picked out the ones that had a common theme. And those were, these are communication errors. And then when I had the opportunity to write my second book, that was easier. The leadership behaviors, and again, it doesn't matter whether you're leading a group of people or you're leading a complex initiative or both, um, it is, it is uh, applicable either way. So, uh, so, I, so I wrote those down. Um, and I have a third one that's on sales, you know, uh, what salespeople and, and organizations do, uh, to hurt themselves in gaining revenue. But the, the, the real, my real bread and butter is talking about, uh, the landmines of communication and the landmines of leadership. And that's how I did it. You know, I just, I just wrote it down and I brought that, I brought that piece of paper home. Um, and I was able to. You know, it, it was all just sideways written, and it was really cool looking, actually. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it turned into two pretty successful books for me, and a very successful speaking and training career. So that's how I did it. It's eighty percent personal experience, and twenty percent just observation. You know, you're, you of being in a meeting or being in a situation, and anytime I found myself scratching my head. I would say there's another one, man. There is another one right there. Mm-hmm. And I would run back to my office and write it down. Great. So how did you feel the first time someone uh, tried these and maybe sent you an email or told you that it worked wonderfully for them? How, what was your feeling? Oh, it was, it was electrifying. It, it, I, I'm, I, I try not to stray into hyperbole, but it was, it was electrifying, Yamo. I got, this is years ago, I got an email from uh, a manager who um, had used my technique for getting around a landmine um, called managing to the exception. And, and it's, it's a fairly simple technique that I use. And uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a manager, it was a young lady, and she, she wrote me back and said, this conversation that we were having in this meeting was going so far sideways and so far into the weeds, and I just blurted out what you told me to do. And we snapped back on track. Nobody's feelings got hurt. There's no enemies. And all of a sudden, we were productive, and everybody was patting me, meaning her, uh, on the back, like, nice job. That was really good. And mm-hmm. she, she took the time out to, to write me a note, and I, I was I, – I, I don't think I was stunned uh, because I, I know that I'm proud of my work, and I know that, that, that it's uh, – it, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I speak the truth, but it was just great to see somebody else say, hey, that really worked for me. It was electrifying. 
great. So let's get that feeling experience uh, a little forward now. If you can, uh, you know, share a few insights on some of the leadership landmines. I know uh, in the keynote at BBC, you're going to be talking uh, about a few of these landmines. So if you could share uh, maybe a theme or something that our audience can take away and also look forward to uh, in, in the conference. Oh, my pleasure. Um, well, let's start with uh, whenever I do a keynote, I almost never skip uh, my uh, personal favorite landmine, managing to the exception. And the teaser on that one, Yamo, is simply this. When you're in a, a situation and you must resolve something and you're in a group and you're in a team of people and you're working to resolve uh, as something has gone wrong, or maybe there's a challenge that you have to overcome, and somebody will surface an idea, right? Somebody, somebody will say, hey, you know what? We should do this. What do you guys think about that? We should, we should try this. There are going to be people in that room that are going to say, yeah, that's a good idea, but it won't work in this situation. That, that's a good idea and everything, but it won't work in that situation, uh, and it won't work in that situation. And you're sitting there, and, you will, and, and managing to the exception is when the person who's, who's, who's in charge, the leader or the person whose initiative it belongs to, allows a good idea, an idea that might make a contribution to be just eliminated as unusable because it's not a perfect idea. Yet there's going to be a small fractional amount of time where that idea might not work, might, 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 that idea might fail. Or there's going to be this fraction amount, you know, this fractional amount of people for which that won't work. So we have to throw the whole, the whole idea out. No, you don't. It is so common, so absolutely common that we allow ourselves to, and that's why I call it managing to the exception. People will raise, yeah, well, it won't work in this situation. It won't work in this situation. They're raising exceptions. When, and I teach a way to A, notice it, B, uh, you know, be respectful when it happens because you're going to want to, it's frustrating you know, and uh, uh, you, you've got to show a little leadership. So you got to, you know, you have to, you can't be uh, disrespectful. You have to figure out a way to, to get the conversation back to productive. And, the, and, and the, so I teach this uh, methodology, which is very simple, very intuitive, um, to, like I said, notice it, be respectful to the people who are doing that, and see, get the, get the conversation back on track so we're making you know, we're, we're having a productive conversation instead of talking about, uh, you know, th you know, it won't work in this tiny situation. It won't work in this esoteric, uh, you know, scenario. Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a boss and he looked at me once and there was a, you know, there was a room full of VPs mm -hmm. trying to solve this. I'm not, I'm not kidding you, a huge customer problem. And he looked at me and he says, Mark, we got everybody working on the problem. I got nobody working on the solution. And I, 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 my eyes went like big as pie plates. He was right. He was right. And that sort of sent me down the path of recognizing that. So that's managing to the exception is, is a hilarious bit. I love to talk about it because everybody's been there. You know, I don't talk about, I'm not a big theory guy. You know, I like to talk about nuts and bolts things. Like for example, one of the other landmines that I will mo almost certainly cover is something called the blame addiction. 
uh, for some reason, you know, people love blame. They love it. And when something goes wrong, whether it's a little tiny speed bump or it's a catastrophic failure of some sort, I tell the audience, you watch. You watch how much time, energy, and intellectual effort is spent, not on fixing what has gone wrong, but on figuring out whose fault was that? How did, how did that happen? Okay, forget how it happens. You fix it first. Or, and this I find particularly annoying, people cast their minds, <laughs> they, they cast their minds in the future and they're like, yeah, I know that's broken and everything, but next time, you know, in the future, do you know what you ought to do? Like, and you want to just, I just want to just smack myself in the head and, and just, you know, it, when something goes wrong, leaders, and I will tell the audience this and I'll tell your listeners this, leaders force themselves into present tense thinking. And I choose my words very carefully. The knee-jerk response is to think in the past tense. What happened? Whoa, what happened there? Or the future. You know what we should do next time to avoid this? Okay. But leadership, and I, again, I don't care who you are. I don't care what title is on that business card. Show a little leadership. Force yourself into present tense thinking. And uh, we talk about that and, and, and the ways that you do that um, because – and people, people, you know, uh, will, you know, will talk to me about, well, don't you think that, uh, it, you know, uh, root cause analysis is important? Yeah, I think root cause analysis, you know, those is important. I think those discussions are very valuable. Don't you think we ought to think about how we should avoid this in the future? Yeah, I think that's important. See, Yamo, those conversations are valuable but they are almost always poorly timed. Let's have those conversations after what's broken is fixed. And that's, you know, that's, that's the, the blame addiction is just, and again, I, I have a lot of fun with it mm -hmm. because I've been there. Uh, you've been there. I've done it. You know, I, 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 I'll raise my hand to be the first to say, I try not to make a practice of it, but I, you know, I do. It's, I'm telling you, these are not crazy behaviors we're talking about. These are not crazy people who do it. It's normal stuff that you never see coming, which is why I call it a landmine. But my job on that stage is to widen any of everybody's field of vision so that if you can see it coming, and I can give you a few tools about how to handle yourself in that situation, you'll walk out of the keynote with a little bit more intellectual muscle to get yourself back to productive when these things hit. Because it's not a... It's not a question of, you know, what do I do if this happens? It's what do I do when this happens? Because if everything was smooth sailing, you know, that, that, that's a ridiculous notion. It's how do you navigate through these mm -hmm. sometimes crazy and insane situations that pop up? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, the, the blame addiction, that, that seems to be such a common theme. And it, it almost seems like natural uh, from a human psychology perspective that, you know, that's the course people would take. They would always go, you know, into the past tense or the future tense. Like you said, I think that's a very good takeaway for our listeners. You know, f be, being focused on the present, using the present tense to solve the problem and Absolutely. overcome a situation. So uh, in your viewpoint, is it just because of the way people respond to situations? What do you think is the underlying cause for that? I think that... Um it's, it's it, number one, 
it's an easier conversation. First of all, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know why people do it, but I'll take a rip at it. I think it's just an easier conversation to have. It doesn't, you know, asking like, hey, how did that happen? Uh, you know, that's easier than, okay, what are we going to do to fix this? And so maybe that's the path of least resistance intellectually, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, I, and I, I'm, I'm, it, it's got a, a lurid quality about it. Like, ooh, who dropped the ball on that? You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> and I, hey, look, man, I'm not immune to that either. I, again, I don't want to make a practice of it, but, you know, wow, how did that, who's, who was on that? Who was supposed to be looking at that? And they took the right off the ball. The, that's sort of a human, there's a, you know, behind every policy, behind every business card and behind every piece of technology is a human being. And I don't know, maybe we're just hardwired to, to do that. And that's why I really do choose my words carefully. Force yourself into present tense thinking because I have the knee jerk, you have the knee jerk, the listenership has the knee jerk, and everybody in that audience has that knee jerk. When something goes wrong, everybody typically like, you know, I would say 75% of the people say, well, how'd that happen? You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of, okay, let's fix it first. And so that would be my pop psychology reason for it. I think maybe it's an easier conversation to have that coupled with the human nature, ooh, you know, <laughs> who messed that up kind of thing, yeah. you know. Uh, and sometimes, it it, might, and sometimes it, it might just be tempting. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I, I uh, it's... Uh, I, I meet more people who, who, who jump to the past tense than I do people who jump to the future tense. Um, but it, it, it's, it's by no means a landslide either way. People, a lot of leaders, um, when things go sideways, uh, I'll, I'll just say it the other way. When things do go sideways, when challenges spring up, and, you know, you're going to find out one of two things, who your leaders are or you ain't got any. And uh, the leaders are thinking in the present tense. Fix it first. Figure it out later. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, which is one of your other popular landmine, uh, you know, that, that gets you fired up, excited? <laughs> um, probably, um, probably maybe down the communication piece of it. This is going to sound really... Um, I'll give a real quick one that I'll tell the audience about. Uh, it sounds dumb, but people to this day do it. If you're listening to your voicemail, and voicemail is not going away, by the way. That, you know, I know we're all texting a lot more, but voicemail is still a reality in all of our lives professionally. And then I, ask, I love to ask the audience, this, you know, like, do you ever be listening to a message and then the person leaves their phone number so fast at the end of the message that you actually have to rewind the dopey message just to figure out what the phone number was. Mm-hmm. Now that's not that, you know, if, when I ask the audience, okay, hands up, I've had to rewind the message. You know, every hand goes up. This is a universal experience. And, um, we have a lot of fun with that on the stage, but, uh, that, that's one that just, if you want to know, maybe one that really irritates me the most, that's probably it. You know, like, Oh, come on, man. Why you know, even though it's easy now to rewind a message and this and that, but it's just, it's just, and I also will say this, I've done it, uh, and I'll ask the audience this, I said, I don't want to see a show of hands, but let's reflect, have you ever not called somebody back 
just because you just didn't want to rewind the message. And most people will, you know, <laughs> nod their heads. Yes, they have. So that, and there's another one. Um, and we, you know, typically I'll, that's on the communication side. And why, you know, that's not fatal, you know, leaving a phone number like that. But, but if you're really trying to be the best professional you can possibly be, you know, why make the person on the other end of the phone rewind your message? Um, the other thing that I, I love to talk about is uh, with the, you know, e- e- email, you know, texting and all that other kind of stuff. There really are no, there's no real way to, to go wrong there. You know, there's no rules. And that's as it should be. It's a speed mechanism. Hmm. But I love to ask the audience, have you ever gotten on email? Have you ever gotten somebody, something from somebody who outranks you? And it is so poorly written, so full of spelling mistakes, and you, you, you just you, you print it out and you look at it and you say, man, how did that person get to where they are if they can't choke out a, you know, an email hmm. without it being a complete failure? And, and, and that, again, is not going to kill a career. But does it reflect on your credibility? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I love to ask the audience you know, if you had a job and it was you had a job to to, to give away, you had to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Yes or no? A typo on a resume that came across your desk could possibly cost that person even the chance to interview. Forget getting the job. And most everywhere I go, everybody says, "Yeah, of course." It, you know, if you, and, and the answer is, you know, it, it reflects on your attention to detail. It reflects on your. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of, if I, if you can't get your resume, right, friend, no, you can't have this job. I got to trust you. And that trust piece, how, how come that is linked to your communication skills? I don't know, but I just know it is. I know it is mm-hmm. because, uh, it, it just, it, it, it ref- your communication ability, especially when the heat is on my man, especially when the pressure's on your ability to communicate succinctly and with authority your credibility goes up, you know, and whenever, you know, if you can't communicate, if you're, if you become a poor communicator, your credibility goes down. Here's, here's something that will never be said. Yes. He, you know, he or she is one of our top, top people. Uh, the next promotion, definitely going to go to that person. Not a great communicator though. Not, uh, not the great communicator. You want to know why that'll never be said? Because that's dumb. That's just dumb. Being a great communicator, being having a command when you communicate is absolutely necessary for people to advance in their career, for people to be able to lead. Um, you don't have to be you know, a novelist or some sort of walking dictionary. Oh, yeah. But the opposite is also true. If you're not going to take the time, like if you write an email, Yamo, and there's no squiggly lines underneath uh, any of the words, don't even think it says what you think it says. There's two planets. There's planet proofread and there's planet spell check. Most people are living on planet spell check mm-hmm. and it costs and it does cost them. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, maybe another quick follow up to that, uh, you know, based on your experience, Marty, like if you have to give a couple tips to our listeners on how they can improve their communication skills, something tactical that they could do, you know, what would you tell them? Okay, the first one is, uh, I did just say it, and I, I'd like to repeat it. Uh, if you would indulge me, please do not, 
do not rely on spell check to be your safety net, you know, because we all know that um, there, there are mistakes to be made that spell check won't catch words that, that it's not the safety net. Please try and shift your thinking into proofread rather than, uh, you know, just, Hey, it's got no squiggly lines must be right. You know, uh, tactically also, uh, uh, when, uh, I talk about <clears throat> when you, uh, tactic, tactically, when you're communicating and somebody, or you're leading and you and somebody does, um, uh, you, you're watching managing to the exception happen in front of you. Uh, one of the tactics that I teach is, um, you've got to do what I call stop the bus. You've got to just, and you don't have to be rude and, 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 you know, aggressive about it. Uh, but you've got to step up and say, and, you know, I'll, tactically, I just act confused. I, you know, what happens in my world, I just act confused. I'm remarkably comfortable in that posture, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we mm-hmm. you know, I just say, Hey, I, I don't get it. Wait a minute. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. This, this kind of seems to me that we are managing to the exception. I teach the audience, use those words, managing to the exception, because 99% of the time, the exception managers in the room, the people who are shooting down ideas, will just, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll accept that and they'll fold up their tents and go away. And you haven't, you haven't held anybody up for public ridicule. You haven't, uh, you know made anybody look dumb you've actually just uh interrupted the momentum of bad of bad thinking you've interrupted the momentum of bad conversations absolutely so uh i was just looking at uh the bbc website and one thing that sort of caught my eye was the super doer <laughs> you know with with all the uh, productivity mantra that's going around you know you have to do more with less you know people being just a jazzed up about productivity there's also in in a sense this productivity porn with people you know following different tools apps and everything so how does that fit into this landmine that says you know that's the super doer the super doer has to do with uh somebody who has again it's an unconscious knee-jerk response when the pressure goes up and I talk about the scenarios, uh, meaning maybe the boss is asking for it, or there's a ton of money on the table, you know, we're spending a lot of money. Sometimes there is a very, very real knee-jerk response to instead of using your resources uh, that are around you to actually contract and say, no, 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 I can't let anybody else touch any of this. I must do this all myself. I must because I am the only one I trust. And that is not a leadership posture. That is not a leadership. Um, that's just not a leadership uh, strategy. To contract your thinking and to get yourself down on tunnel vision and not, uh, you know, leadership isn't being great. Leadership is getting greatness out of a group. And that means you have to uh, let people do their jobs and you have to. Delegate when you need to delegate and get involved when you need to get involved, but simply that, uh-oh, this is, this is for the board of directors. I better do this all myself. That, that is a 
that can be a career killer. Um, and it's very hard for folks to, um, to, to, to have a little faith and to push uh, responsibility and accountability out into the hands of the people that are supposed to be doing that instead of doing it all yourself. That's why I call it the super doer. It's just, it's a killer. It really is. And I see it all the time, even at the highest levels. You know, there's, there's just um, this contraction thinking, oh, I, I can't delegate any of this. I have to do it all myself. And that leads to burnout and burnout leads to resentment. And then you're unhappy in your work. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, from your experience, Marty, can you recall maybe a vivid example of uh, someone who was a super doer and, and what were some of the characteristics of that person? Um, yeah, I had a fairly high uh, person who was two levels higher than me when I was working in corporate. Um, uh, she was very, very, I mean, a, a very worthy leader, a very, a very a, a good leader. But anytime, um, anytime something was going to have very visible results, Yama, like the board of directors were going to see the results of the project or our customer base was going to see the results. Anytime there was very public, um, you know, everyone's eyes were upon a particular project. Mm-hmm. She would con- she, her thinking would contract, and she would she she would be there, you know, basically sleeping in her office, doing it all herself because she didn't trust anybody on her team or any of her peers to to do it, and it really did it 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 caught her a few times. She was late on a couple of deadlines that would that was not good. Um, they, she, her team put out uh, a feature set to our customer base that wasn't complete once just because, you know, you, we can't move at the speed of one person and together we're a lot smarter and stronger than we are just individually. And yeah, that I, vivid example. Uh, I, I remember her very well. And in, you know what the weird thing was in every other, like in, in every other facet of her leadership life, she was actually great. A fan, you know, just bright, 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 and just really a, a fine leader unless all eyes were upon whatever project her department happened to be working on. And then she just shut her door and I'm going to do this myself. And it was a, it was a costly, costly practice for her. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great example. Marty, I know that there's going to be a lot more insights in the actual yes. keynote. So if, uh, if you can sort of package, uh, let's say, three takeaways ah. that, that our audience will, you know, will take from your keynote, what would they be? Awesome question. All right, let me think. Let me think. Okay. Number one, anticipation. If I can widen your field of vision intellectually, and you can see the landmine coming a little sooner than you were before you heard my keynote, then I've done an awesome job. I've done a great job. I've done you a real solid in your career because if somebody whispered in your ear, hey man, uh, don't step there. There is a landmine right there. You would, that, you would find that very valuable. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, and I, would, I would, again, I wrote the books from the position of, man, I wish somebody would have told me about this. Uh-huh. So number one, anticipation. I'm, I want my audience to 
see these situations coming so that they can, too, recognize the specific behaviors um, that I'll talk about. And once you recognize the behavior, it takes all the emotion out of the situation, and now you can assess and figure out, okay, this is, this is reminiscent or just like what Marty was talking about in the keynote. Uh, so number one is anticipation. Two is recognition of the specific behaviors. I talk in very, very specific terms. And the third one would be my suggestions and my techniques for you to navigate productively through those situations. Meaning you just can't fold your arms and roll your eyes and go, I can't believe I'm in this meeting. This is ridiculous. I'm going crazy. That's just not, that's not good enough. Hmm. It's not good enough. I want you to be uh, whoever, you know, whoever you are, I want you to employ um, the strategies that I will teach. Um, and they're very simple and they're very, like I said, they're very easy to do. And, and, and so that you can get back to productive a lot faster than you would have had you not attended the keynote. So I think the big three would be anticipation, uh, recognition of these specific behaviors, and then strategies to navigate and get back to productive. Well, these sound awesome, Marty, and I, I can't wait to hear the keynote myself because, you know, I'm going to be there. All right. And, uh, uh, and, and thank you so much for being on the show. If, if you have any other closing thoughts or comments that you want to share with the community, you know, please feel free. I would say that, <clears throat> oh, I would say that anyone who is uh, thinking and is on the fence of whether or not to go to this event, go. Um, it, it, it's going to be an incredibly uh, valuable experience. And the second thing is, if you want to get an idea of my style and how I you know, present, uh, go to my website, and um, there are plenty of very, very short video clips of me misbehaving as usual in, uh, in front of various audiences, and they can go... Uh, to Marty Clark, M A R T Y C L A R K E dot com, www.martyclark.com. You put the E on the end of that Clark, and um, you'll very quickly be shown any number of videos. And uh, I think you'll get an idea that while I, while I take my I take I take my subject matter extremely seriously, I uh, I actually just don't take myself too seriously, and that's why I say it's a it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's, I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, we have a lot of laughs while we talk about some very, very, very real and usable, uh, usable strategies and, and very, very real topics. No theory, just practical application. Well, that's great. Thanks for the, for the reference, Marty. And also, uh, you know, link up the website in the show notes. Uh, once again, thank you so much for being on the show, Marty, and you're sharing all the insightful, uh, uh, comments and thoughts about the leadership and communication methods. we appreciate it my pleasure thank you so much well i hope you've enjoyed listening to this wonderful podcast with marty and uh, you got a pretty good sense of what he's going to talk about at the keynote and uh if he can be so enthused behind the mic i can only imagine how good he will actually be on stage right so definitely worth checking out. And if you are going to be at the conference, uh, 
please don't forget to visit the BA Coach booth and stall and come and say hello. It's always wonderful to meet the podcast listeners face to face and uh, and get their feedback about the podcast. So it'll be great to connect and network. So if you're there, please don't forget to come say hello and don't forget to visit thebacoach.com forward slash BBC to learn more about the conference and also you can visit the official website buildingbusinesscapability.com to find more information about the conference. That's it from me for this episode, folks. I'll see you at the conference. Take care.